Welcome to Life in Context, a conversational podcast where we explore life and relationships in the context of Christian faith, relationship with Jesus, biblical truth, and emotionally healthy practices. I'm your host, Esther. And I'm your host, Jill. We come from different backgrounds and life experiences and bring our different professional and personal skills and training to our conversations. We agree on many things. And we differ on other things. That's part of what we enjoy about our conversations. We love to encourage and challenge each other and our listeners to consider new approaches, new ideas, and ways to think about life within the context of our faith. It's always our hope in these podcasts to bring real life strategies, positive ideas, and faith-building practices that can be applied to these sometimes challenging topics that we all face in life. So let's get into today's topic. So Jill, today's topic, we have a a sensitive topic today. (laughs) We're going to get right into it. We're going to cover the topic of boundaries. So I'm going to ask Esther a couple of questions today. Um, We both do a lot of work with um, helping our clients and people establish boundaries. So Esther, would you just give us an overview? What are boundaries? So boundaries can be defined in a lot of different ways. And I try to communicate them in the context of the personal space that we have to make choices, decisions, and that can be in an intellectual sense, um, the time and the space to make your own decisions, to do research, to have your own opinions. It can be in a physical space, in a sexual space, about your own body, what parts people can touch, what is uncomfortable to you, how close people can get. It can be in relationships, how intimate you want to get, Mm. how deep and personal and connected you want to get in the context of um, a spiritual or relational boundary. It can be the space to make your own decisions, to hear from the Lord yourself, to determine what you believe, how you're processing uh, the Word of God and what the Lord is saying to you. And if you don't have that space, if you don't Mm -hmm. have uh, a little bit of distance, and it's different depending on the relationship and the issue and your sensitivity, the amount of space you're going to have is different. But if you can't determine how much space you need, then you don't have boundaries. That's so interesting. Will you talk to us a little bit about what causes people to have an inability to be boundaried? So boundaries can be formed um, different ways. And sometimes people uh, have an issue in their childhood where their boundaries were blown. Maybe they had a boundary that uh, if they were abused either physically or sexually or molested in some way, and somebody just went past their boundaries. They said, you know, I don't want to be touched in these private areas. And they were anyways, and they were violated. Then it can be hard to reform boundaries for a child. They don't know when and who and and where they can set Mm. those boundaries. Boundaries also can be hard to develop for people who weren't allowed the opportunity to have their own personal taste, their own opinions. Mm -hmm. I like that. I don't like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm comfortable with that. I'm not comfortable with that. I don't want to be hugged all the time. I do. Sometimes as parents, we are uh, trying to teach our children things, and we're good intentioned, but we actually undermine their sense of security and safety and their ability to develop boundaries. We tell them, oh, go kiss your uncle. Oh, go Mm -hmm. hug them. And they're thinking these people are strangers. I don't know them. And they lose the ability to understand and develop when is it okay for me to say, no, I want space here. I don't want to do that. If we have very strict controlled Mm -hmm. environments when we're young, 
where the boundaries are already set for us, it can be hard for us to know when to set our own boundaries Mm -hmm. and how to set them and what's the appropriate process for doing so. So boundaries can be a space, but they can also be kind of a fence or a wall. When is this unsafe? If somebody else is always telling you, this is unsafe, this is safe, you may have a hard time determining for yourself what is safe and what isn't and and when to put a wall up. That's so interesting. So the, uh, the, the young stages of development with little kids developing a sense of autonomy, a sense of self. And you know, that we call it either the terrible twos or the terrific twos. And uh, I've learned, you know, with lots of parents about giving the, giving the two-year-old an empowered no, even if you don't let them have their way. Because when, when their ability to choose is taken away, um, that's really a free will place. Mm-hmm. So people whose boundaries have been violated or blown go into a place of my free will. I was overpowered. I was overtaken. I was not allowed a choice. And then they go into all of their other stages of development with this like um, compromised free will, this compromised sense of self. So we were talking a little bit about what happens when somebody has uh, cannot say no. Mm-hmm. They can't say no. So it is so important. You mentioned the word empowerment. It is so important to be able to say no. Your yes is only as good as, as your no. no. And if you don't feel like you can say no to something, then you're doing things not really in your own free will. Mm-hmm. You're following what everybody else wants. And that's really a sign of no boundaries. It's also a place usually of great distress. People get abused or taken advantage of. They get vulnerable. And they usually do not have the ability to bring all that they can to a relationship, to a situation, to a circumstance, because they're being drawn in the direction of other people. So it's very important to be able to say no on all of the levels, to have the ability within a relationship to say I don't want to do that. And you mentioned a toddler. You know, it's it's hard as a parent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they <laughs> don't go through you this ever and, say no to me. Okay, they, wait, it's all right. They go <laughs> through kind of obstinate times where they will tell you no is the answer to everything. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. And, and with teenagers as well, when the answer is just to be obstinate just because. So we have to be careful that we don't break the sense of empowerment of the ability to say no. And we begin to understand why are we saying no? What are we saying no to? And that really frees us up to say yes to things. And it's interesting, sometimes people who are not good at boundaries, they will end up just walling themselves off and they will say no to everything and every relationship. It's because it's fear-based. Because it's fear-based, because they don't know how to have healthy and appropriate boundaries that can still allow them to function. With relationship. With relationship, or they go the other way and they have no boundaries and they feel like they are doormats. They are taken advantage of. Uh, frequently, that leads to uh, really unhealthy behaviors and patterns, codependence, mm-hmm. uh, relationships that are not strong, that cannot survive and weather difficult situations. Mm-hmm. So I, I remember t- hearing Derek, I believe it was Derek Prince, but he was talking about um, somebody that has been overpowered and traumatized in the ways that we're talking about is like a city without walls that a, a person that is a city without walls has no boundaries and no no ability to know what they are. Um, we were talking a little bit about good fences and good fences actually in the in the context of boundaries, boundaries actually can even move. Mm-hmm. I can decide this day, this works for me 
And then I can decide tomorrow, you know, that doesn't work for me anymore. And I really like the, I, I try to have my, my clients and I just like the, the statement is I'm not, um, I'm not responsible for someone else's emotional outcome when I set a boundary. I can say, you know what, this doesn't work for me anymore. And that person can be angry or that person can be hurt. I'm not trying to hurt anybody, but I don't want to hurt myself either. And if something is happening to me that no longer feels right or safe, and I say, you know what, that doesn't work for me anymore, I'm not responsible for the other person's emotional outcome. They get to feel whatever they feel around it. And very often the codependent person or the person with no boundaries will feel really, really guilty or really, really um, responsible for however the other person feels behind what they say. Mm -hmm. Can you talk to us a little bit about boundaries being good fences and, and even being reciprocal? Well, I think it's really important that we consider the reciprocity of a boundary. And the best relationships have healthy reciprocal relationships or healthy reciprocal boundaries. And what that means is that we agree upon them and we both honor them at the appropriate time. We check in together on them. So you and I, as, as friends, we might have a, a healthy, appropriate boundary that we see, you know, we're not going to dump on our husbands to each other. Right. I'm not going to tell you the things when I'm frustrated or upset. And, and you know, my husband, he's lovely. Yes. And I'm not a lot to dump on. But, but if there were, because we all have those days and those, those attitudes, and I'm not going to dump on, on you all the stuff that, that I'm going through. And you're not going to do the same for me. And if I set a boundary and I say, look, I don't want you to dump all your negative stuff on me, but then I dump all my negative stuff on you. That's not fair. That's, that, <laughs> now we've created an imbalanced relationship mm. and one that's going to eventually have some problems. And it's it's like me taking my trash, throwing it on, on your side of the fence, and then the, the trash guy only takes up one bucket a, a day, right? <laughs> he doesn't take up all both enough for both of us. So I think it's important for us to consider what it is to have mutual boundaries, ones that respect our relationships, that we can say, hey, you know what, right now, I'm not feeling like I want that in our relationship. Maybe there'll be another time where we could go a little deeper. Sometimes people will have that uh, physically, like I'm, some people will say, I'm not a hugger. You know, <laughs> but I am, but you so are now I'm all over you. And like, that's not, that's not fair either. That's not fair either. Mm -hmm. So we might need to have those conversations and a, an honest boundary, a healthy boundary says, you know, we figured something out. We figured mm -hmm. out how we're going to do that. So maybe we're not going to hug all the time, but when you come, I'll give you a hug or we'll fist bump or we'll do whatever. <laughs> uh, and that's okay in a relationship to say, this is what's making me comfortable and safe that I can continue the relationship. I always tell people, if you're not willing to respect somebody's boundaries, there's a strong possibility that they're going to just back out of the rela relationship altogether. Mm -hmm. I think that what we were talking about is really important about um, having the conversation. Mm -hmm. um, I need to have the conversation about, you know, that doesn't feel good for me. Mm -hmm. um, and to be able to be in relationships where we just can talk about what feel what is safe and what isn't. Um, when somebody is blowing through your boundaries or somebody's blowing through my boundaries, I, I think it's important that we learn to say, this feels this doesn't feel safe or this does. And that we teach and train, and I don't want to say teach and train, but that we help assist our current generation and the generation coming up to, to be boundaried. Mm -hmm. um, 
I, I can remember watching something a long time ago. I saw a young lady um, with several of her guy friends. We were I was at a meeting and I saw this young lady and a, a couple of her guy friends and they were they were kind of rough and they were talking to her pretty disrespectfully. And she said, I don't want you to talk to me. Stop talking to me like that. And one of them said, what? We always talk to you like that. And she said, well, not anymore. That's not okay with me anymore. And I remember going on girl right on girlfriend um i didn't even know her i just was privy to just watching that little that little interaction that something in her grew mm-hmm. and what was okay yesterday isn't okay today and that can be hard for people that are used to you being a certain way mm-hmm. family systems you've always been this certain way and now you're changing growing learning and you're not anymore and talk, can you talk to us a little bit about what are some of your examples about when people grow and change and the boundaries shift? Well, one of the things that uh, I observe a lot is as you get adult children, uh, relationships will change and shift. And the boundaries between what parents and children um, do and, and can do and kind of getting all up in each other's business, it shifts and it changes. So my kids will always be uh, in a relationship with me where I will always expect them to be able to open the door. They can come in, right? But at their homes, I knock. Mm. I knock on the door. That's a boundary. That's an appropriate nice. boundary. Yeah. Uh, but they grew up in my home. They're my kids. <laughs> they can always <laughs> walk in. Hey, mom, I'm home. I'm always going to knock at theirs. Uh, those things kind of change. Now, as our relationships have changed, um, you know, I anticipate, and, and typically they do, they'll call, hey, are you going to be home? We're going to come over. And and I will do the same for them. When they're young, they just, they're going to be home because they live at home, right? <laughs> this is the way it is. Yeah. Those relationships change. My, my kids are adults. When they come for the holidays and they stay, um, I, I knock on their doors. Mm. When they were four and five and six, I might've knocked as I was opening the door, right? right? Right. Yes. Um, They didn't have locks on their doors (laughs) when they were little on their bedroom doors. Uh, They do now (laughs) if they're staying. There's those kinds of things when relationships shift and change, I'm respecting them as adults. Mm -hmm. I might ask questions about their lives, but I don't obligate them to share at the level of minutiae that I did when they were 14 or 15. Mm, right? Such a good point. My, my kids are in their 20s. I don't demand their phones. Let me see what's on your phone. <laughs> right? I don't, right. I don't have the passcodes uh, to their email and computers, but I know a lot of people with adult children who haven't given that up yet. Mm-hmm. It's it's hard to know when and what the right time is, and it's messy sometimes. Big transitions mm-hmm. for parents when the kids are moving out and um, I, I think there was one other part that I, I thought was important to talk about is that Jesus is boundaried. Mm-hmm. Jesus is boundaried with us. Mm-hmm. And Jesus never forces, coerces, manipulates, ever. It's so important. It's so important. He never, ever does. It's so important. I will frequently work around the concept of uh, free will. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the Lord gives us free will. 
And as believers, woe behold for us if we should take away the free will of somebody else. Mm -hmm. We need to be very careful about that. Absolutely. And if the Lord has given somebody free will, we need to honor that. Sometimes that makes us very uncomfortable. It's very distressing. (laughs) You know, I I miss some of the days when when my kids were little. If I didn't like a situation, everybody in the minivan, we're out of here. (laughs) You know, I don't like see that. I don't like those friends. I don't like this activity. This is turning it off. Moving on. Here we go. Oh, we're out of here. I don't have that control anymore. Um, I, But I need to trust that if the Lord gave them free will, I cannot take that from them. And, and that's what makes you safe. Mm-hmm. That's what makes us safe is when we don't usurp. Yes. When we don't usurp someone's free will, because Jesus wouldn't. Even in the, in the prayer, prayer sessions that I do with people, um, Jesus comes in and he'll, it, you know, will hold out his hand. May I hold you? May I? Mm-hmm. Especially in the traumatized places. And you, when you think about somebody that's in a traumatized place that has had all their boundaries blown, think about a little kid, a, a traumatized child in a corner in a fetal position. Get up and come to me. You're okay. You're okay. Well, none of us would do that. We'd right. come in low and slow and quiet. Hi, honey. Can I come a little closer? You Okay. Even if it was an animal, mm-hmm. a traumatized animal, we'd come in low and slow and gentle. We wouldn't say, you don't hear a spirit of fear, but power, love, and sound mind. Get up. We wouldn't. We just wouldn't. We shouldn't. We should. Well, hopefully we wouldn't, and hopefully we don't. Um, but that, that um, I want to call it like religious boundary blowing, mm-hmm. can, can do that, can feel that way. And we, we talk about Jesus in the context of being boundaried because he would never usurp the free will that he gave you. That's so true. And we often see that religious boundary, I think that's probably the best term for it, being blown, the spiritual boundary. When people want to speak for God into somebody else's life and they don't give them the opportunity to seek the word themselves, mm-hmm. to pray and to listen to the Lord themselves. That's very, very dangerous. Mm-hmm. I think it creates a very unhealthy church community, unhealthy personal relationship. If we can't seek the Lord for that direct direct relationship, that's a boundary you do not want to cross. Yeah. If my whole relationship with Jesus is just dependent on what you say mm-hmm. or what my leader says, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going through a, a degree of separation. Mm-hmm. Where he, when he says, uh, "You love me because I loved you first, that's a direct line from heaven to me and from me back. He says, first John four nineteen, we love him because he loved us first. So I need him to love me first so I can love him back. And I want to be in a I want to be in those healthy church circles. I, I was uh, talking to you a little while ago about my first pastor. And uh, we're just going to call him John. But my first pastor, I think I was about five years in the faith, and he preached something, and I didn't agree with something. And I was very, very dist- I was very unsettled. I was like, oh, I don't agree with something he said. And I, I went, and I, I was young in the Lord. It was cute. And I went and said, John, John, um, I, I don't know what to do because I, I think I don't think you're right about this. And he was like, Wow. What do you think? <laughs> and I went, well, I, I don't know. I just think you might not be right. And and he's like, do you know that's okay? And I was, I think I might have cried. I might have said no. I didn't know that was okay. But it was super healthy. 
It was so healthy. And it was so healthy. His response, he was like, okay, well, what do you think? And he said, absolutely. Seek those things out for yourself. I'm just here, you know, I'm just here to help. But it was so sweet and so healthy because I was so like, oh, no, I don't agree with my pastor about everything. And how, how sweet and appropriate that he was like, yeah, go dig it out. You that, go dig it out and tell me what you came up with. That is such a great example of a good boundary system to be able to have that conversation, to be able to say, is it okay for me to disagree with you? It's, it is okay. Mm-hmm. That's good. I, we don't have to be on the same train. You know, I've d- done a lot of work on uh, what I call the God badge, right. which is misusing uh, spiritual, religious, church authority, mm-hmm. uh, misusing the name of God in order to get our way. And that is really boundary blowing. Coercion. It's coercion. It's very dangerous. And there are so many areas. You know, there's a lot of people who uh, grow up in non-boundaried areas where maybe it's your finances that are uh, crossed that, that boundary and somebody will misuse or use your boundaries. And you need to be able to say, you know what, these resources are set aside for this. And it's not appropriate for you to come and to take from me. And if you are uh, unaccustomed to boundaries, you you might feel like, boy, I'm being stingy. I'm not being generous. Mm-hmm. Um, and you might have a difficult time. No, I need to give them whatever they need, whenever they need it, whatever they want, whenever they want it, even if that leaves me in need. That's an unhealthy financial mm-hmm. boundary. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so many areas, of course, in our physical bodies to be able to say, I don't want to be touched Um, sexually in that way by somebody at this time or in this relationship. And you can have different boundaries with Mm -hmm. different people. Absolutely. (laughs) You know, you can, it can be okay within the context of your marriage, Mm -hmm. but not within the context of somebody else. And, and that's a boundary. And some people say, well, I don't have any boundaries. If you have that boundary, that's the start of a boundary. Yes, it is. You're beginning to develop what you get to say, what space you want. And, and it's really empowering your yes and empowering your no. Very important to have the empowered yes and the empowered no. And we were talking a little bit about, um, you'll learn a lot about a relationship um, when you set a boundary or when you say no. Yep. You'll learn a lot about a friendship when yep. and with their but when you see their response to your no you'll also see people who are unaccustomed to boundaries either they're unaccustomed to people setting boundaries against them or that they feel like are against them or unaccustomed to setting them themselves they may feel like a boundary is the death of a relationship they want that open backyard you can just go back and forth between what's yours is mine what's mine is yours and so a boundary can feel um, very distressing to them and it can be really helpful to clarify why what but you don't owe them an explanation yeah i had a boss many many years ago um she i'd worked there for i'd worked at this facility for a long time and she came in and very very quickly just started giving me gifts started leading leaving cards on my desk and i would told her i said this is making me uncomfortable i said i i really i really need you to stop doing this and just wouldn't stop actually just came in and said i see your walls and i'm going to get in there and I, I said, why? I, I asked her, like, why do you need to get in? Why do you need to get in my walls? I, I asked her, I said, could you just be my boss? And we'll see how this friendship goes. We'll see how it goes. But it was like you were forcing yourself on me and buying me gifts and forcing yourself into a wall that you said you see them. Mm-hmm. You said you see my walls and you're going to get in there. And trust me, that makes my walls go boop. 
up and out. <laughs> they just became, you know, prison walls. You get over there. <laughs> and it, it felt very, um, it felt very unsafe and it felt very uh, disrespectful. Mm-hmm. Disrespect can be a big reason why we need a wall, why in a relationship, especially in an adult relationship, why we want a wall. If we feel disrespected, then we can become very concerned that other boundaries are going to be crossed. So it might start with that sort of depth of relationship, but then cross into physical or financial and um, obligation. And so these are places where we get to put our boundaries up, where it keeps us safe in relationship. It, it's not as some people sort of interpret it that it's unchristian to have a boundary from somebody. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's totally an appropriate Absolutely. <laughs> interactive. And it's, it can be a wall, but it's not necessarily a wall. Usually boundaries become more hardened, as you said, and more of a wall, the more people cross them. If you the, push, if you push, people will tend, like if you have a boundary and somebody pushes, that will tend to make it thicker. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I know I've heard for years, it's Christians aren't allowed to say no. Good Christians don't say no mm-hmm. to anything. Which is a very, very dangerous that means that, place to live. Do we get to sleep? Do we, you know, um, being being boundaried is healthy and right. And and I want to say, you know, I ask God, I ask the Lord, is this a is this an area? I mean, I'm going to ask Him, is this an area where you want me to serve? Is this a place you want me to go? Is this a setting you want me to be in, to preach in, to teach in? Is this where you want me to go? I even when somebody asks me to to come and do an event or something, and it seems, oh, this this is so a yes. I am. I have learned the hard way. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask my my great big Jesus if this is if this is a yes from Him for me, because even if it looks like it should be, it isn't always. And a boundary gives you that space to do it. Yes, it gives you that time and space to go to the Lord directly without the other person coming in so closely. It can feel like you are literally being bear hugged, smothered in a um, emotional way when somebody doesn't give you the time and space to make decisions and and to make your own choices. So putting in that boundary gives you that little bit of space to figure that out and. With some people, it might you might need a bigger space. You might need more. For me, I notice I also back up. Sometimes my walls harden, but sometimes they get farther away. Somebody crosses the boundary and I say, okay, now my boundary is going to be farther away. In order to come to me, you're going to have to come a little bit farther. <laughs> <laughs> and climb, I'm thinking the song, climb every mountain. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, if, if somebody says to me, um, I'm not going to respect you and I'm not going to call before I come over, but I'm just going to knock on the door and expect you to answer uh, whenever I want to. And I feel like they've abused that. Then I might say, you know what? Not only would I like you to call before, but let's like schedule it mm-hmm. now. Now I'm, I'm not comfortable with even impromptu just stop, you know, calls. That's the heart. You hardened your boundary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I've created a little more distance, a little more space. Um, usually a cross boundary for me means that the relationship is going to be less close and particularly repeated cross boundaries. And when people say to me frequently, I I don't respect that boundary. I have no intention of honoring that boundary. I'm going to keep doing this behavior that causes you distress. Usually I am stuck with one choice Mm -hmm. and that is to withdraw. 
<laughs> I'm it's, waving bye-bye. It's bye. the bye-bye. Um, and Jill, I know that you know, because you've worked with a lot of people in the same situation, it is a, a challenge to recognize when, when a relationship needs to go because you've been left with no choices. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people feel like, you know, that person, they're stuck in this relationship. That's my sister. That's my brother. That's my child. That's my parent. That's my coworker. That's my... And you, you think they're stuck. I'm going to have... They're going to have to put up with this behavior. But people generally have a choice. Mm-hmm. That's what I was going to say mm-hmm. is, is back to our free will. Jesus gave us, we have free will. Mm-hmm. Jesus doesn't usurp ours. And if somebody is trying to, if somebody is usurping my free will, um, it, it feels very, very uncomfortable. And I'm going to make the choice I need to make. And I'm going to assist people. It, like we really have, you know, with, with clients like you were talking about, we really just have the conversation. I'll sometimes do role play with my clients like so let's I'll be the person that you need to set the boundary with and you just start practicing of what you're going to say I try to help people have like you know a, a one line or one or two succinct lines that are closed it's not open for conversation this isn't working for me anymore I wish you all the best mm-hmm. you know one line and say it and I, I've learned like with role playing, I don't know if you employ role playing. I do. Yes, because role playing actually causes it to imprint, mm-hmm. actually causes it, causes it to imprint in your mind. You've said it, you've done it, you've looked in someone else's eyes and said it. And then when you go to do it, it it's like it's it's there. And I have found um, even sometimes when somebody can't hear your boundary, I'll coach people to say, you know what, if they're safe enough to do this, take their hand, look them in the eye and say, hey, I need you to hear me. Mm-hmm. This isn't working for me anymore. I frequently, when I'm working with people in conflict, will ask the person who has a, a difficult time respecting or honoring the boundary of the other person. Um, usually it's because it's a new boundary or it's one that they've been able to blow through a bunch of times. They don't want it to change. They don't want the family system to change. I will say, what is the worst case scenario? Mm, that's a good one. And we will explore that. What would happen? And usually it takes them a while to acknowledge, well, we might not have a relationship anymore. I might not see my sister anymore. She might not come to this. If I continue in this pattern, that could happen. Okay, so what do you think you could do to keep the worst case scenario from happening? And usually it is respecting the boundary. Mm-hmm. And for the person who feels like their boundaries have been violated, if you ask them, what's the worst case scenario in this? Their worst case scenario is staying as is, mm-hmm. right? So they are not going to do that. They are going to leave. If you ask them, what's the best case scenario? The best case scenario is I'm going to walk out of here and I'm never going to have to see or interact with this person again. Um, and you have to work hard to get, maybe the best case scenario is actually they will learn to respect my boundary and we could have a healthy relationship. Because it matters. <laughs> it like matters. Like if, re- if the relationship matters enough to the person who's blowing through the boundaries, mm-hmm. um, maybe they'll make that change. Yeah. And it takes practice because those things are, you know, often I'm, I mean, I'm thinking of couples. You're, that's probably what you're thinking. I'm thinking about couples and, you know, some of those patterns have been in place for years, decades, and it takes, it takes some work, but relationship work, work relationship work is amazing. It is. It is so important. In a couple situation, I will frequently see people who they're so accustomed to blowing through a boundary. They don't even acknowledge or recognize they're doing it. I have always uh, gossiped about my spouse to my sibling or to my friends, and I don't know why it bothers them now. Mm -hmm. I've always 
um, spent more money than we agreed upon and blown the budget every month. And I don't know why it's an issue now. I've always um, disrespected you in front of the kids. And I don't know why it It never bothered you before. Right. Um, and, And so there's a ton of areas where it happens in relationships. And frequently it takes a while for the person whose boundaries have been crossed to start to have a voice in the relationship mm-hmm. to really get to the point. And sometimes they're very much on the verge of, uh, it's either going to be fixed now, or they're going to give up on the relationship. But I see these same issues with adult siblings all the time with other, uh, family relationships, See, you know, I'm not going to go to that gathering if I have to put up with this dynamic anymore. I won't be spoken yeah. to that way. Yeah. I don't want to be demeaned in that way. Well, that's the way our family is always joked. That's the whole family. I'm tired of it. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I see that a lot, especially um, around holiday seasons and especially uh, when families. Are, uh, are t- have been tight for a long time. And one person will just say, you know, this might have been working for everybody else. It's not working for me. Mm-hmm. Do you want to see my family? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love my family. But. This can also happen in, in workplace scenarios. People will say, you know, we work really well together, but I'm very tired of this person taking credit for my work. I'm tired of this person not respecting my uh, my deadlines, um, not respecting my time and effort and energy. And bosses sometimes are shocked. They'll, they'll take oh, advantage the of an, an employee for a long time. They'll cross boundaries and then they'll say, I feel very betrayed. They left and went to another company. I just have that had that situation with somebody that I was working with that would work hundreds of hours of overtime and worked herself into a place where she's physically sick. So we're talking about what does it look like when you go back? And can you say, I'm done at five o'clock? And some of the conversations, you know, I, she's not the only one to her, like just what you're talking about over the years. Well, this is what's expected of me. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, well, what do you want? And what do you need? And can you change that your, can you change who you are in the system? The system can demand you to be a certain way, but can you change who you are in the system? And yes, the boss will feel betrayed. They're used to a certain, they're used to something from you. But again, my, our boundaries get to be what they are. I come back, uh, come back to work. I used to work 30 hours a week of overtime. That doesn't work for me anymore. I'm going to need to leave at five o'clock from now on. And if that doesn't work, then maybe this isn't the job for me. I work with leaders sometimes who are very distressed that they have really high turnover, that they feel like their employees are not giving them all that they want or expect. And it can take a while for them to recognize they are blowing by boundaries and they are the root cause. They're costing themselves and their companies time, money, effort, <laughs> oh, and energy. Yeah. You know, and they don't recognize it. It's expensive to bring a new employee on, to train them, mm-hmm. onboarding, all of the stuff. It can be time consuming. It can be disruptive. There's a lot of pieces and parts in that. And the idea that if I can learn to respect appropriate boundaries, if we can set common ones, if we can make sure that they're reasonable for the company and for the employee and that they work, 
maybe in the long run, it will be better for everybody. A lot of leaders have a hard time with this. A lot of Mm -hmm. pastors have a hard time with their volunteers. They go, I don't know why this person was involved in everything. They ran VBS. They were on that team. They were doing that. And then... On Thursday, they were gone, and we've never seen them again, and I'm very offended. And because the person didn't know how to say, no. No. I can't do it. Nope. No. And so since they didn't know how to say it, they didn't know what to say. they just leave. They just left. And you can't have the conversation. Mm -hmm. So I think going back to that part of have the conversation with your leader, with your pastor. You know what? I've been volunteering 20 hours a week. I also have a full-time job. I'm going to need to cut back. Um, and I encourage people who are in leadership too to have those kind of tough conversations with themselves, maybe with their leadership team, with their people. Am I honoring other people's boundaries? Am I paying attention to them? And that might be in your personal life. It might be if you're a parent of adult kids, am I honoring their boundaries? Is there a reason that there's a distance in our relationship? If it's at work, am I honoring? Is there a reason that we're having a high turnover? People are leaving within a church. Is there a reason that people, uh, when they leave, we never hear from them again? They're gone. Those would be big things, big indicators. Those are big indicators Uh that boundaries are being crossed. When people... Um, are in friendship relationships and there's this sort of a, I'm breaking it off and I'm afraid of you now. <laughs> if you're in that situation, blocked. right, blocked, um, to start thinking about, is there a way that I'm violating a boundary? Is there a way that I'm crossing in and, and making them feel unsafe and uncomfortable? And I think that's really what the whole discussion is about. And I don't want people to think that if they discover they've violated a boundary, that that means they're necessarily an abuser. So we can all do it. Sometimes it's because we didn't recognize the boundary. We didn't know it. People have different boundaries. Um, There's a wide range of healthy and appropriate boundaries, Mm. right? I can um, have a wide range of relationships and experiences and one person can say, you know, it's it's never appropriate to borrow my shoes without asking me. And another, right. per- and another person can say, it's always appropriate to borrow my shoes without asking me. I'm totally comfortable with that. And so that can be confusing. Sometimes you have to clarify if you recognize you've crossed a boundary. It doesn't mean that you have to throw up your hands and go, oh, I'm just an abuser. I take advantage of people. This is the time for reflection, for understanding, for recognizing, for asking people. Having a conversation. Mm-hmm. Talk to people that you're in relationship with. Yep. So I have loved this. We've Yay! gotten kind of some hot topic things uh-huh. here. <laughs> little, and we'll do it again. A little bit, bit of buttons. <laughs> but I think it's really valuable to, to look at things like boundaries in the context of our Christian faith, in the mm-hmm. context of our relationships with one another. We've used the word healthy a lot. We don't yes. usually use it that much. <laughs> it sounds like a, a buzzword, but around boundaries, it really is mm-hmm. about being safe and healthy and protected. And we hope that uh, all of our listeners have the opportunity to have those kinds of relationships and experiences. Yes. Till next time. Till next time. Bye now. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Life in Context, hosted by Jill Shankles and Esther DeWitt, edited and produced by BizFid Communications. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a five-star review and follow us and like us wherever you listen to podcasts. It really does help. For more information on who we are and what we do, you can follow Jill at jillshankles.com. That's Jill, S-H-A-N-K-L-E-S.com and on Facebook and Instagram. 
You can follow Esther at peaceprof.com. That's peace, P-R-O-F.com and at peaceprof on Twitter and Facebook. Oh,